This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. If you know me, you know I'm a Starbucks freak. Coffee was my first word as a baby. No joke. I love it. But then I found out that the wonderful people who make my coffee are not getting treated right. And they're doing something about it. Starbucks workers fight to unionize, gaining traction across the country. According to the union election data, open petitions for unions at Starbucks currently cover more than 2,200 workers. These baristas who are fighting to form a union are moms, actors, students, and so much more. They're people in our community. We're working professionals, we're young professionals. A lot of them are millennials who are just trying to make rent and we need a living wage. Six Starbucks locations in Colorado have already joined this national movement to unionize. And that includes three here in Denver like the one where my guests today, Hannah Melman and Jack Jansen, work. Today is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. This is Bree, our host. Conducting the interview, she's a big Starbucks fan. Huge. Well, Starbucks coffee fan. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, the drink's pretty good. I go to you every day. <laughs> Jack Jansen and Hannah Melman, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you. So you both work at the Starbucks in Denver, located off Leedsdale. I think it used to be a Taco Bell when I was a it kid. It did. <laughs> okay. I've, I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> it was many, many, many years ago, but I'm just trying to place it. It's actually right by my high school, George Washington High School. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we get them from a lunch rush every day. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, so Starbucks locations across the country have started to unionize, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But I wanted to ask you, too, about coffee making as a profession, because this is like a skill and a craft you have to hone, right? Very much so. Absolutely. So I've actually uh, done like extra coursework, essentially, through Starbucks to become a Starbucks coffee master. Uh, so I love coffee. I love knowing what I'm doing. I love uh, talking to people about coffee and like tasting all the different kind of stuff that Starbucks can bring in because they can bring in beans from a lot of different places just because they have resources to support, you know, support that kind of thing. And so I love what I do. I love being a barista. Uh, it just hasn't been easy recently. Sure, sure. Hannah, what about you? It's definitely, I would call being a barista a trade, like the baristas that make the drinks quickly and consistently every day, those baristas have been with the company for years. And it it takes a toll on the body, like tennis elbow, barista elbow. It's the same thing. Um, and so there are baristas that have been working there for years and they always make the drinks because they're the ones that are the fastest at it. And one of the things they stress the most to us is like the faster you are, the more customers we get. We, they really value that speed, but they just won't show that value by paying the braces that have been there longer more. Um, they recently did come out with 
a raise of between five to 10% based on market value for baristas that have been there more than two years, but it only happened after the Buffalo Starbucks filed and went public and it's not continuous. It was once at the end of January and when all the other partners at our store hit two years, they're not gonna see that raise. So that's a big reason to unionize. It's really unfair that like they gave that race, maybe three people in the store and no one's going to have that opportunity again. I, I mean, I have to be honest. Any person who lives in Denver knows Starbucks is not hurting for business. Like, <laughs> no, we're we're getting record profits. Right. And they've raised prices a lot. A tall pike is the cost of what a venti pike was two years ago. So like. Their prices are keeping up with the rate of inflation, but our wages are not. All the raises I've gotten, I'm still making less. I can still buy less groceries than I could a year ago. The raises we've gotten have been based on the Denver minimum wage increasing. It has nothing to do with cost of living or anything else or profits. It's not reflected within the workers' wages. And we're, we're on the ground. We're the backbone of the company. We are the ones when you think of like going to Starbucks, you think of the baristas that are near you. You think of your neighborhood one that you visit every day. I picture it right now in my mind. I I mean, I, it's something too that like, and I'm I'm kind of a defender of it. People are like, you don't go to the local coffee shops that often. I'm like, I do sometimes, but I'll just be honest with you. Baristas at Starbucks are always super nice to me. Yeah. It's like a nice environment. So, I mean, you guys have both sort of talked about this, getting into this job, really enjoying it. You know, you like your coworkers, you like the community it creates. Um, when did things start to shift for you in terms of not feeling so good to be there? I think the biggest shift that might have been what really broke it was sort of working through the pandemic. And like the lockdown happened and we started really working in what I would consider a less than safe environment. Like they brought out some benefits, like they gave us some increased food and drink benefits. They gave us extra wages. And then once they realized that it was going to take more than, uh, you know, a couple weeks, uh, they kind of cut that. They took those away from us. They just put us back to what we were beforehand. You know, they're not willing to invest in their baristas, in their bottom line, because I think they view us as expendable. And I have felt expendable since... Uh, since the pandemic started, since everything really started going sideways. I would agree. I think when the pandemic hit, the way the corporation reacted uh, to protect its profits and ensure that the customers felt safe, but did very little to ensure that baristas felt safe, they made it extremely clear when COVID hit that we were cogs in a machine and extremely expendable. What are those things that you both experienced during the pandemic in particular that maybe made you feel unsafe that maybe weren't visible to me as a customer? We had this great system set up uh, within our store in particular because we had a lobby with windows that opened to the outside. So that first summer, we were able to leave those windows open so no customers were inside. There was only a few of us in there. We had plenty of space. We could hand drinks out through the window, take orders through the window, and... It was great. It felt safe. It felt comfortable. And it kept everyone sort of, you know, the workers and customers separated in a way that made everyone pretty happy. When things started getting colder and the baristas had to start wearing jackets and hoodies and, you know, whatever else to stay warm, our district manager came in, saw that and said, hey, hoodies are not in the dress code. Close that window. Open up your lobby. You are not to do that anymore. So... 
the district manager put the appearance of the baristas over the safety. So I, I would love to talk about this unionization effort. Can um, you two explain to me what sorts of things that you are asking for um, in this effort to unionize? I think the biggest thing I would like to negotiate out of the contract here would be to guarantee labor, to guarantee the hours that we need. When you're hired on with us saying, oh, yeah, we'll totally give you 30 hours within your availability. We should see 30 hours within our availability, not suddenly like 15 for a month. And we're not. We're not seeing that. Our hours are regularly being cut. I think this most recent one, the past couple of weeks, cut an additional 60 hours a week out of our labor budget. And so we're, that's like essentially one less person a day the entire day. And they're busy as hell. <laughs> Exactly. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. They have such a wealth that they're sitting on. They're not a small business. No. They have the ability to pay us way better than they're paying us. Bree, a couple minutes ago, I saw you take a drink of water and it was out of a Starbucks cup. Uh, You guys. It's. I told you. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. And that's the thing. That's like, I pay a lot for Starbucks drinks. I would even pay more if it meant that my baristas got paid more money. Also, something I'm curious about is credit card tipping. Because, I mean, I use the app all the time and now I can and I can tip on the app, which is awesome. But I don't remember being able to tip using a credit card. And I also don't know many people that carry cash. That's something I've brought up with the district manager and regional manager actually pretty recently. Because there was a rumor that right before COVID hit, they were like, oh, in 2021, we're going to get credit card tipping. And we did not. And so I asked them about it and they said, well, it's really expensive because in order to do that, we'd need to do a whole new point of service. We'd need all new computers, all new card readers. And then two months later, we got new computers and new card readers that still could not tip on the credit card. They would not lose a cent of profit. So I've been reading that Starbucks has been pretty notorious for using union busting tactics like encouraging workers to vote against a union or even uh, firing employees for being involved or talking about it. Um, is that is that scary for the both of you? I mean, you really clearly care about this job and you're kind of in this balancing act where you're trying to make things better for yourselves and everyone else at the risk of possibly losing your job. So can you talk about how that feels? feels a lot like it felt at the beginning of COVID. They very clearly do not value us. They want to push us out. On another store in our district, Unionize, they filed to unionize. We still haven't had elections. Um, about a month and a half to two months before we did. And I would say within days of them unionizing, they like preemptively union busted us. They started writing us up for the randomest things that happened ages ago, like very petty, but technically... It was policy, so they can write us up for that. But that really kind of lit the fire under our butts. We're like, oh, wow, we really do need to advocate for ourselves and have a stronger voice. We need to change something. And that's what it comes down to is that we need to change something. And like, I think it's bigger than us. It's bigger than our one store. And so even if they're like, even if our store was running really, really well and, you know, everything was just the way I wanted it. Seeing what they're doing in other places makes me want to join the movement. Mm-hmm. And like the way they're, they've come down on so many stores, like you look at Buffalo, you look at Memphis, you look at uh, Mesa right now, like there's so many places they're coming down so hard on. And it's like, well, 
I'm just like them. What's stopping you from doing this to us? And so it's like, well, if we stand together, if we, you know, form this union, we can and will improve our conditions. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I'm afraid. Like, I don't feel like my job is necessarily like my employment is safe. But this is something that has to be done, I think. And so we're going to do it. I walk in every day expecting to be fired. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen. And that's, soon- not a, and that's the worst feeling to have as an employee who likes your job overall, right? It's like, you don't want to get fired, but you also want to be treated fairly by your employer. And also, I have always work my way up the chain. And that's what they say. They're like, go to the listening sessions, fill out your weekly Starbucks partner pulse. And I always do. I go to the listening sessions. I fill out the pulse. Whenever a district manager or regional manager comes in, I tell them we need regular raises. We need a living wage. And they say, well, you have great benefits. And I say, well, benefits and a living wage are not mutually exclusive. If I still can't afford rent because I'm paying the for the best health care." it's not helpful. So I have tried to work my way up the chain. I have done all the things they told us to do and it lands on deaf ears. And they, I kind of honestly feel a little gaslit by the way they tell me, Oh, but you don't need it. You don't deserve it. You already have so many other things. And so mm-hmm. um, I need to make my voice louder. Me yeah. saying it on my own is not enough. So let's say it as a store. What will you two do if you don't get enough votes to unionize at your store? What's your next steps? Uh, I haven't considered that to be an option. I'm extremely confident we will have all the votes. I'm very confident. We, I wouldn't be surprised if it's unanimous because um, we've been talking with everyone and everyone at our store essentially is on board with this. They want better conditions. They want better working conditions. So I haven't considered you know, what's going to happen if we fail to get the votes because we're not going to. Well, Jack and Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for giving us uh, this platform to talk about what we're, what we're working on, what we're going through. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Come visit. Yeah, swing by our store. I make a real mean flat white. He makes the best latte art. Jack is, I aspire to make latte art. Like There's him. a few that are definitely better than me, but I, I'm not bad at it. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Early birds and night owls are beefing over a new bill to make daylight saving time permanent in Colorado. The bill is headed through the state legislature, and if it passes, could mean later sunrises and sunsets. We've got a meteorologist on the case, and we'll have more information as the story develops. But speaking of actual birds, bird flu is back in Colorado. Apparently, the highly contagious avian influenza is coming from wild geese who migrated here from the East Coast. As if Coloradans with those annoying native bumper stickers needed another reason to blame East Coasters for our problems. Sheesh. And finally, some exciting news. CityCast Denver is hiring. We're looking for a new audio producer. So if you or someone you know loves this city as much as we do and has some serious audio editing and mixing chops, send them our way. I'll drop a link to the full job description in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today, Peyton's breaking down all the outdoor retailer drama going on between Colorado and Utah. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. 
see you later. I'm being honest when I tell you this. This is what Brooke swears happened because Brooke gave me coffee in a sippy cup as a baby. She is a good mom. I don't fault her for it, but I literally drink coffee every single day.